Welcome to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy, a podcast that takes a look at stories of life and leadership for smart, amazing women and men like you. The way I can give support to the world right now is by showing up. Uh, The most important thing is don't think just that you have to bring anything. Bring yourself. Show up. If you are in a position of leadership and a position of management, bring women along with you. Supporting women is Dr. Nancy's passion and her purpose, and talking with other women and men who promote women's leadership is one of her favorite things to do. I've yet to meet a woman who did not know what she really wanted. She was just either afraid to ask the questions or she was afraid of what the answers meant. Their stories connect us and help us understand that the possibilities are endless if we support each other and lift other women up. Trust is created by persistent identity. I show up in my conversations. I build relationship. I show up as myself time and time and time again. And trust is built. It's one conversation at a time. Sakia Thomas is president and CEO of the ERA Coalition and the Fund for Women's Equality. She's an agent for change working to make equality a reality for all people. Using her experiences as a political strategist and nonprofit manager, Zakia leads a diverse coalition of more than 200 organizations representing 80 million people. This community of activists jointly advocates for gender, racial, and reproductive justice, LGBTQ rights, and much more with the unifying goal of sex equality. The coalition's work is to shift how people talk about their respective issues to reflect how all of our issues are connected and to facilitate closer collaboration. Now here's Dr. Nancy and her guest, Sakia Thomas. I think it's always important for women to know more about other women and men Mm -hmm. because we see people and we look at them and go, oh, they're so talented or they're so beautiful. They've got, you know, they have such a presence, which you do, by the way, that they think, you know, that the compare, they start to compare themselves and they can't possibly compare themselves or they go, I'll never be like her or or him or whatever. So when I talk talk about people, I want to, I want to find out how they got to be who they are, because I know, uh, you know, you, you told a story and I was listening to it of being told when you were growing up being black and beautiful. And I love that story because if we grow up in a very uh, loving, caring, empowering family, you know, we go out into the world assuming everything else is going to be that way. And it's not till we go out to this, the school of hard knocks that we'd find out that, wait a minute, uh, <laughs> the world is just not like that. You know, it just doesn't, uh, accept me the same way as my family or my friends accept me. So, you know, I want to find out about you because you're doing some amazing work, but how did you get to be the person I'm talking to today? How did you get to be you? So it's funny, uh, I know we had the conversation about, you know, my growing up, but I think the part that I don't always talk about is when I was a kid, we, I grew up and there were three girls in our family. And then I was eight years old. My, my mom and dad had another child and it was a boy. And so I, I lived this idyllic world where it's all girls. Everything's great. Then the boy comes and my aunt, um, my grandmother, who actually helped raise me, um, she took care of us while my mom and dad were at work. She's like, finally, we have a boy. And the whole world crumbled because this boy was there. Right. Um, And so before he was there, I was like, I was my dad. You know, I was I was the tomboy and I did all the sports, did all the things. And then the boy came in. It's like, well, now you're nothing because my grandmother told me, like, well, girls are nothing. It's all about boys. But the beautiful part is I my mother's mother, my maternal grandmother. My mom and my dad were like, no, you are and can be whoever you want to be. And being a girl is not a curse. It's a blessing because you are you. And so that, I think, is also important for me is to say that, you know, the world will say things about you, 
um, and they'll try to tell you who you are. But if you don't have that foundation, if your love bank isn't full from the beginning, it's really hard to continue that and bring it out into the world. So growing up in D.C., I had a very strong black community. Um, my church was very Afrocentric. We uplifted um, and celebrated Kwanzaa and uh, Black History Month and all the things. And so I grew up in a very in a nurturing environment that taught me my history so that I can understand where we came from and the strength that comes from that. And I can use that going forward. So it wasn't until I got out to the suburbs in D.C. and um, I was one of like two or three black kids in my class. And all my parents thought I had a particular view of the world that I actually didn't because they made assumptions that I really had to figure out, OK, who am I and what do I bring to this world and how do I show the world who, what I can do? And I really took that on. And my, my uh, freshman roommate in college actually said once, she said, your parents told you you could be anything you wanted to be when you grow up. And I had to think. And I was like, you're absolutely right. And that comes through in everything I do because the world is challenging, but it's also an opportunity. And if you're given skills and talents and um, the opportunity to make something happen, you have to take advantage of it. And that's really what I try to do every day because, you know, I've been very fortunate. Um I've been able to do a lot of things and I always find myself in the place I need to be. And right now I'm with the ERA coalition and it's exactly where I need to be at the exact right moment. It's just continuation of my life bringing me to the places I need to be so I can do the things I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And that's me in a nutshell. I think that's why it's so important to find the personal parts of people because it always does lead down that journey of what they're involved in. But, you know, we, I think we're all challenged at some point in our life. And if we aren't, we don't learn, we don't grow. Uh, to to do certain things, you know, like for you, the Equal Rights Amendment, you know, I mean, it's it just makes sense. And, and you know, I, I've said this and I'll say this over and again, we just don't know what we don't know. And that's mm -hmm. the interesting thing about life, that if we all understood that, we'd be more open and available to so many things. So, okay, so historically, all right, let's go back. Uh, so when was it that you learned that you wanted to be an activist? Because that's what you are. You're an activist. You're an advocate, an activist, and you are a you know, you're a go-getter. So how did it transpire? How did you become that person? So I don't think it was ever an option for me. So as I said, I grew up in a very nurturing family. When I was young, my grandmother, my, my mom's side, my maternal grandmother had pictures of herself, you know, during the civil rights movement with like Martin Luther King Jr. She had pictures of JFK yeah. and MLK on the wall and yeah. hearing stories about her working with, you know, the Jewish and the Catholic communities um, in her neighborhood to move civil rights forward. So for me, it wasn't about, it, I didn't have an option to be an activist. I knew if I wanted to make the world, if the world wanted, was going to be a better place, I had to have a part in making that happen. Um, so from a very young age, I became active. So I was in, active in my school government. Um, so like I, I was involved in a class office at some level at some point throughout my primary years. I was the school board rep for my high school two years in a row. And I went on to William and Mary for undergrad and I became the president of my class for four years because I knew I wanted to be in a position where I could help make a change and a difference for the folks that are that yeah. are in my community. And so that's what I did. That that was my way of being an activist. And then just taking that and, and figuring out, okay, how can I use the skills, talents, and the blessings that I have to help the world? So like I I find activism in the parenting class I used to teach. Um I got a degree in social work focusing on social welfare policy just for that reason, because I knew the world was so messed up and the systems were part of the problem. And to understand mm -hmm. the problem, how to fix it, I needed to understand the system. And so that's what I focused on. And I take that with me everywhere I go. And those direct practice social skills, um, understanding people, understanding how to motivate them and using that in the work I do every single day. So I have never been the kind of person who planned out how my life would be. 
Um, but it's taken me on this journey that has brought me to the places that I've been the most effective and helpful. And I've loved it. I love this job so much because I get to talk about something that means the world to everyone, even if they don't know it. To your point, we don't know what we don't know. And a lot of the reasons we have so much political strife in this country and in partisan politics is because we don't talk to each other to find out what someone else knows and to find out what we may not, we may be missing out on. Well, yeah, we're not into problem solving or having communication. We're just into reacting. And I think mm-hmm. that's what's going on right now. It's one reaction after another. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, th- this is where we all come from, you know, but some of us did not take that opportunity. For me, of course, uh, women did not support women. This was the clue. It wasn't black women or white women. It was just women didn't support women, period. Yeah. So for me, you know, and I, I went, I was a tomboy. I went out and I got my master's, I got my doctorate. You know, I did things all along that I thought, plus having three daughters, you know, I mean, I had to go out and figure out how I was going to be a woman in this world that was not really appreciating me as a woman, especially a woman that was achieving and was competitive and I had a voice and that was not always so well-received, you know? I mean, I was called lots of names, lots of names. And it was by other women, and not only men, but lots of other women, which really, really surprised me. It was interesting. The more I achieved, the more I got, I, I really received trouble, especially from white women. It just blew me away to think that here I was just trying to improve my life, my daughter's lives and make a difference in the world. People were trying to shut me down. So, you know, women connect for good is very simple. Women supporting other women and men who support women and men's efforts. You know, and this is how it happened. I was doing a podcast and this little, this woman, she, she had a book and she, she had a mission. I said, Mary, how can I help you? And it, it became very quiet. And all of a sudden this little voice on the other end of the phone said, you mean you want to help me? And I was said, I said, yes. That's exactly what I want to do. I mean, as simple as that sounds, that's where Women Connect for Good came from, was a simple woman saying in a very shy, very quiet voice, you mean you want to help me. And that's what you're saying every single day to women and men. We want equal rights. We, we deserve it and we want it. And, but we need each other to help each other. How do we motivate and activate people to help one another? And the kingdom comes and all the all the silos of power go away and everybody mm-hmm. figures out that you know what we're all in this together and if we're not we're just going to continue to blow ourselves up and blow each other uh, other countries up and we're doing that right and left and it just it's time it's time all right so you're the ceo and the founder of the equal rights amendment coalition so one day you're sitting around and you want to have a bunch of people there and go okay let's do this well, kind of, but it, I mean, think about it. it was It was nearly 100 years in the making for this to happen. Yeah. Rights Amendment was first in About December 13th, right in front of me. Yeah. So you're you're actually invited to our, we're going to do an event on December 13th. I'm um, coming. I'm coming. Yes. We're trying to figure out what we can do to make the most uh, noise and get the most attention. Um, and it's so funny. You said we're all in this together. We actually just coined one of our new programs all together now for that, for that reason. We're bringing together the reaper rights community, the LGBTQ plus community. In the communities that focus on, well, in the organization that focuses on communities of color to talk about exactly that. Like, what are the issues that we're all facing and how can the Equal Rights Amendment fix it? And how do we tell more people about that to bring them to the fold and to tear down those silos? Because as, as Elisa mentioned, like we, we were trying to go from silos to solidarity. That's one of the new coin phrases that I love. Because that's really what it's about. It's about bringing people together to understand we are all in this together because 
the same forces that are fighting against abortion access or the same forces who are fighting against trans kids in sports or against the LGBTQ plus community having equality. And it's the same folks who don't want us to have voting rights. So it's all the same forces yeah, that we, we need to come together to fight against. We have different verbiage or different words, but it really is all the same. Everybody's on the same page and we all want the same thing. And and by the way, I use the word social profit instead of non-profit oh, social I like profit. I like because, because really what we really are we, are, we are all social profit organizations coming together for the benefit of us all. So, you know, I mean, I, I'm thrilled. I'm, you know, I'm a new member of the coalition and Women Connect for Good is is excited and wants to be a part of it. In fact, we really have this opportunity now more than ever because the time is now. And if we don't take advantage of it because the elections are coming up, more elections, and th these last elections prove that we're on track. Yeah, we're, we're on time and we're on track. I, I did hear about the, the Democrat that's coming out to, uh, you know, I can't remember his name, but uh, to, to, to run for the Democratic. I, we need that. We need we need something new. We need new blood. We need people people that have diversity and inclusion and understand that we've got to do something different. We, we can't keep doing the same thing. That, you know, that's the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and, and expecting different results. And I think that's what we've been doing in this country. <laughs> and, we, and it's not surprising though, right? Who benefits from the status quo, right? If you think about in, in our economy, in our political system, the folks who benefit stay in power for a reason, because they built the system to serve themselves. And so either we have to change the system or yeah. bend it to our will. And I mean, those are our options. That's why I say the strongest tool we have is our vote. And not enough people understand and appreciate that. If our vote wasn't so powerful, folks wouldn't be working so hard to take it away from us. So we got to hold yeah. on to it. And we got to use it because if we don't, we yeah. lose it like any yeah. other muscle. It'll actually yeah. go away. Well, we, historically, and I've said this before, but look who wrote the Constitution, a bunch of old white men, you know, and women at that time had no rights, no. had nothing. And we're still, in some ways, fighting for all those things right now. And, and as far as people of color and different religions, we're all still fighting that. And but but again, our, our country was in, in, in it was an infancy. It was an infant when this began. And the people, the leaders at the time were the leaders. But we, we've got a whole different uh, bag going on now that we've got to change. Okay, so let's talk about the ERA coalition and what your goals and objectives are. Just, you know, put them out simply because I think oftentimes people don't. I mean, we do we have to know what the road looks like. What road are we taking? Which road should we take? Which road should we avoid? So the ERA coalition was founded to help spark and move forward this um, this underlying disdain and distaste of the status quo in the country, right? So we understand that in order for us to have true equality in our country, we need to have an equal rights amendment in our constitution that basically guarantees, doesn't basically, it guarantees uh, protection against discrimination on the basis of sex. And you mean, realizing that sex entails gender as well, but sex is a much broader legal concept than gender. And without having that foundation, to your point, we weren't written into the constitution. And so without having the Equal Rights Amendment in the Constitution, we are not reflected in it. And the Supreme Court has said as much. Um, and we also know that they're coming after our rights more and more. And if we want to protect those rights, then we need to stand up and do it. So our organization really brings people together. So we are a movement of movements, which uh, of 
290 partner organizations representing 80 million people across this country. All of our organizations are working towards some aspect of equality, uh, whether it's gender justice, um, LGBTQ plus justice, ra uh, racial justice, young advocates coming together, people in uh, religious communities coming together, all understanding that if we want real basic rights guaranteed, we have to have an equal rights amendment. So we're all working at different areas of rights, of equality and, and rights across the board, but mm -hmm. coming together to acknowledge that we need to have the equal rights amendment in the constitution. And that's what we're all working for through our work in, in the coalition. And we're actually just now in, the, in a really exciting time for us because we're reaching our 10 year anniversary uh, next year. And we're at the 100th anniversary of the first introduction of the equal rights amendment in Congress in December on the 13th. And so this has been a, a moment of reflection for us about, okay, we know where we've been as an organization as a country. Where do we want to be? And understanding that the Equal Rights Amendment in the Constitution is really the first step. It's taken 100 years for us to get to that first step, but it's not the end. In order to see real equality in our country, we have to implement it. And that's what the second article of the amendment says, is that Congress has the authority to implement the um, the amendment, which means Congress can create laws that protect against discrimination. It doesn't mean that there won't be distinctions based on sex. Yes, we will still have same-sex bathrooms when people want same-sex bathrooms, but you can still have unisex bathrooms, which we have across the country. It means that you can't, in order for the government to, to discriminate on the basis of sex, it has to have a very compelling reason to do so. And right now there isn't a compelling reason. It's, it's uh, the level at which the government can discriminate is very low, um, is a low bar compared to what it should be. And so we're really working to make sure that we have the Equal Rights Amendment in the Constitution, one. But two, then we're going to work towards implementation with our 290 plus partners and growing every single day. So implementation will look like the courts having tools to strike down laws that discriminate on the basis of sex. We'll prevent companies from charging different rates um, based on sex. So I don't know if you know this, but, you know, part of the reason that the amendment did not continue in the 70s is because there were insurance companies, there were schools, there were business interests that benefited from the status quo of discriminating against women on some level. And so there was a financial interest, and that's really why it stalled in the 70s. But it did not, the Equal Rights Amendment never died. It's still very much alive. And now that we have the last three states remaining to have ratified it, it just needs to be published in the Constitution and acted on as well. That's it. That's what we're yeah. working so hard for right now. Well, someone said, you know, and I thought I thought it was a wonderful idea if, if approaching Biden, which is definitely needing some votes right now from especially probably 55 percent of the population, which happen to be women, if he were to go in and write uh, what what is it called? Uh, dec not, not declaration or a you know, just executive, an executive order, executive order to to have it placed in the Constitution. It could be done. And, and why it has not been done? Can, is there? We've got to know somebody in the political re, arena that we could go and say, "Wait a minute!" It's especially now because of the elections are coming up, and with this new contender, I'd say he's going to have to find a bonus. He's going to have to find something. This would this would definitely be pushing across the uh, the line with this uh, amendment being passed. Yeah. So the Equal Rights Amendment is polling higher than nearly any other issue. It's, it's polling in the 80s right now, especially if you can, if you pair it with abortion access. So it's a no brainer. I mean, and the president has already stated that he supports the Equal Rights Amendment. He just calls on Congress to do it to act and remove the time limit and, and acknowledge that it's, it's law. So right now, the problem is we have the president saying, well, it's Congress that needs to do it. Congress is saying the archivist needs to do it. The archivist is saying Congress needs to do it. The judiciary, the judicial um, the department of the judiciary is saying, well, no, Congress needs that. So everyone's pointing all these fingers rather than just stepping up and taking ownership and doing the thing. 
we're working on all aspects of trying to make it into the Constitution. And and there's probably lobbyists out there going, don't, we can't pass this. This, As you said, these insurance companies, these companies are going to, they're going to lose their status quo. I'm frozen again, but I'll come back. You know, I mean, this this is the problem that there is behind this big money and corporations and big name, I mean, people that are pushing for the opposite would just, when they took Roe just wade through it out the window. They, you know, keep them pregnant, keep it at home, you know, like in that shut up and get the truck, you know, I mean, this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I can guarantee you that if there were five women running the country right now, we wouldn't have war. We wouldn't have poverty. We Everybody would have equal health care, good education, safety, security. But, you know, I mean, it's got to happen. I mean, you know, Tiffany, you go back and 50 women changed the world. Women were in charge. Mm-hmm. And religion came along and took away our rights and it, it continued to go downhill. You know, they, if they take away our reproduction rights, then that takes care of everything right there. Bottom line, it's the best yep. way to control women and girls is birth control, you yeah. know, lack of birth control. So yeah. I like to call it forced I'm, I'm, pregnancy. I'm very, I'm very, as you can tell, I'm, I'm very frustrated right now. And, and Tiffany made it pretty clear when she said, I have more rights. Uh, as a woman than my 20 year old daughter does right now. And then, you know, again, my daughters and my granddaughters, it's just like every time we turn around, somebody's trying to take something away from us and it's time that we stopped it. And the equal rights amendment is the way to do it. And so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm behind it 150,000%. So no, we appreciate that. We whatever. need more champions like you to step up and say, and you, you asked the question why no one in, in political, in a political um, position is going to step up. Because they're not pressured to. I mean, we're 80 million voices, but they only listen to, well, let's think about it. We actually did research to look at members of Congress and who's most, who would be the most receptive to our message because we think their voters would. And we looked at the vote, the, the candidates or the incumbents who are being funded by our opposition. And mind you, they're funding in the billions. Our opposition is being funded in the billions. We are funded in the millions, right? So the, it's a huge disparity. But if you look at who's paying for the financial contracts, who's paying the campaign, uh, running the campaigns and paying for all these um, elected officials to get into office, it's the folks who are on the other side. And so there's no way someone's going to vote in favor of us when the people paying for them to be in office want something else. And so once we have more people understand that that connection of money in our political system and, and why yeah, it comes yeah. to be that way, then I think yeah. we'll, we'll actually make some, more, some difference in that respect. Well, uh, what do you think this year's elections are? I mean, twenty twenty four. I mean, we've got it's got to be something different. Oh my God, you know. I mean, I, I remember when, when uh, the last election, when when uh, uh, <laughs> everybody was leaving to go to Canada, Canada finally uh, shut down their borders and said we will not accept any anyone else from the United <laughs> America. You know, people people are right now trying to get passports in other countries. Believe it or yeah. not, they really yeah. are. They're trying to get passports. This is the this is the thing. Go get a passport in another country. I mean, that, I mean, love it or leave it. I think that's what we're doing right now. We're thinking about that. Well, we we've got a lot of work to do. You know, it was inspiring though to see the number of organizations in that in that one room alone. When you know there's more of of those people, and I really love the youth component. But we need to get more young people involved in the schools and. Anyway, you, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I do. And I, and I think it's sad, especially when you look at public school funding and what folks are trying to do in that space, too. It's the same it's the same entities, forces, people who are trying to dictate what we know, who we talk to, what we think is right and the view that we have of the world. And we have to stop it because 
those if you, folks if too many of us leave, then who's going to be here for the for the rest of us? And we see that in other countries. It actually does happen, yeah. where you're trying to you you encourage a brain drain so that the people who are left don't have any way to fight back, and you can just absorb wow. as much power and control over the country as you can. Well, history books took care of that. I grew up in Virginia schools, so yep. I got. I mean, my history was Virginia. Me I know more about Jamestown than I do about Georgetown. Then I don't know about the rest of the world. I know about the 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 world that I lived in. But history books have failed to show women's power, which we've had historically in all areas of government and leadership and religion. But they've failed. I mean, we've. We've had it expunged, erased from our history so that we've got to continue to let women know, wait a minute, we've always had these talents. We've always had these abilities to, they've erased our history. The Equal Rights Amendment is not in the constitution right now. Yeah. And that it's been a hundred years and it's, it's way past time to make this happen because people are dying and people's yeah. lives are being changed. And to your point, history is written by those who win. And so we need to make sure we're the winners so that we can have the Equal Rights Amendment added back into the into our history of this country and our future. And that's what we're looking to do. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to be a member and uh, whatever meetings I need to attend, let me know and, and how we can participate and continue to get the word out of things that we need to do. Because this is an amazing social profit organization <laughs> and one so, so very much needed in our country right now. And we need hope. We need hope and we need inspiration and we need something different. And I, and, I, and I know people really want that. Otherwise, they're, they're the ones with their heads in the sand. We can't do anything about them. You know, the, the, the people that, that don't care, I just go around them now. I used to carry a big stick and it didn't do me any good. I just got in more trouble with it. So I finally put my big stick away and now I just go around them. Uh, it's not my job to commit somebody that what's the what's the right thing to do. They've got to figure that out for themselves. So, well, this has been wonderful. I, I appreciate what you're doing. I congratulate you what, on what you're doing and uh, Women Connect for Good. And I'm very pleased to be a part of it. Well, I'm so glad. And you talk about hope. Um, so you in particular, Women Connect for Good and our coalition as a whole, that's what makes me hopeful. The fact that we have 80 million people out there who want change and want to see this thing done. That yeah. gives me hope. We just need to bring more people to the table and show our our political power with our voices and our votes, and we'll get it done. Yeah. Well, uh, to be continued. Yes, definitely. <laughs> well, I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. Well, absolutely. Any final words of wisdom you'd like to leave us with? Vote. Um, if there's nothing else you do, um, doesn't who you vote for is your choice, but vote for someone who actually has your interest at heart. And the other thing is, we talked about this earlier, have a conversation with someone and without trying to change their mind, right? Just, just sit and listen and hope that you connect on some level where they hear you too, rather than forcing yeah. your opinion down their throat because yeah. it doesn't work. Don't change or try to fix other people. Just listen. No, just listen. That's a wonderful, those are wonderful words to end with. Well, congratulations, continued great work and success. And uh, you haven't seen the last of me. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoy these smart, amazing conversations, please subscribe, rate, and review them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And read and enjoy more amazing stories in my books, In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life, and Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. Thank you for listening.